Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavaliers Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Features and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Motor City Hoop Show. Today, Vlad and I are joined by Bryce Hendricks from Roll Call Sports and Upside Swings Podcast. Bryce is going to give us his outside perspective on the Pistons, their current rookies, and as a draft analyst, give us some more insight on what Troy Weaver might do on draft night. We'll also take a look at the status of the NBA playoff in these second round series in the East and West. Before we get started, I do want to welcome Bryce Hendricks. Okay, welcome to the show, Bryce. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm uh, I'm excited. I watched some uh, Pistons games from this year before doing this, so pretty excited to jump into it. Oh, well, that's that's big time, man. If you went back and watched the Pistons, I know a lot of people won't don't don't like doing that. So that's big time if you did a little preparation. We appreciate that very much. Yeah, for sure. I didn't mind it. I you know, you guys, it wasn't like a great team or anything, but uh, I, I've always enjoyed watching Sadiq Bey play, so that helped me get through it. That's our guy. That's our guy. Vlad, before we get started, man, episode 30, bro. Like, did you think we were going to make it this far? How are you feeling so far? I feel good about it, and we feel good from the uh, from the start, Bryce. I mean, if you think about it, you know, we started this, what, three, four months ago, and uh, we're having a ton of fun with it, and that's the most important thing, I think. Exactly. That's what sometimes I get caught up in how many followers or listeners or whatever. But at the end of the day, like we enjoy talking hoops. So um, let's get into it. Bryce, whenever we have a non quote unquote non Pistons guy on, we always love to ask him, like, what is their impression of the Pistons? Because we have a lot of excitement. Me and Vlad are, are excited about this roster, about Troy Weaver. You just brought up Sadiq Bay. What's your impressions of this Detroit Pistons team um, and the young core that they've accumulated? Well, I think it starts with uh, the man you mentioned, Troy Weaver. Um, I'm I'm a pretty big fan of his uh, of his team building philosophy. I like sort of that he that he loves to draft wings and likes to build like that. Um, it never quite came together, I don't think, in Oklahoma City, but I, I think that's partially due to uh, 
to Westbrook being the sort of person they were trying to build around. I think you guys have some really interesting pieces and it's going to be fun to watch this team grow. And, and I, and I think it's the perfect team that you guys can add a young star into either in this draft or in future ones and, and can really have something special because you have, you know, Killian Hayes. Uh, I was kind of lower on than some last year because some had him all the way like top three or four. I would have taken him about seven where you guys took him. And I thought that was a good pick. And I think he's going to be pretty good. Uh, love Sadiq Bay. That was my favorite pick of the draft. Um, just a big wing who shoots and is really smart. Like that's someone to always be picking. And then um, I also really like Isaiah Stewart. Um, I didn't like him in college. I I go to WSU, so I'm I'm a bit of a. <laughs> um, but uh, he's really impressed me too. So I like what you guys are, are are building, and I love I love Dwayne Casey as a coach too. I love the culture you guys are starting to together, and I think I think it's going to be a fun team to watch. They play with a lot of uh, a lot of grit and a lot of toughness, and uh, that's sort of what you're looking for in the Motor City, right? Yeah, for sure. So that's what. So when you say Sadiq Bay was your favorite pick of the draft, you mean for the Pistons or like was he one of your favorite picks of the entire draft, regardless of team? He was one of my favorite picks of the entire draft. I thought the fact that he fell to nineteen was uh, kind of crazy, and that you only had to trade Luke Kennard to get that pick and take him. Um, just, just like a highway robbery, in my opinion, because I, I think Sadiq Bay is going to be the type of player who can start as a forward or on the wing for, for high, high level playoff teams. Um, he does everything you want as a, as a three or four. Um, I kind of thought some people were overthinking the athleticism. I thought he was a solid athlete and that shot has always been there. And uh, I, I just, I thought it was a great pick at the time. And, and looking back, I, I think he would go much higher in redrafts than he would in the actual draft. So that's all you can really hope for. Long, it's, that's funny, funny. Say, it's, it's funny. It's funny because you, you say that we only gave up Luke Kennard. And if you look at Pistons Twitter, when that happened, it was crazy. Everybody was, why are we giving up Luke Kennard? Why? why? It's a lot of shooting for what? And now looking back at it, even when Luke played well, and he played well game one uh, of uh, the Utah series, he played well game uh, seven of the Mavs series in the same time i would take sadiq bay any day over him just the the way he played this year uh his basketball iq and the fact that you can just plug him in like we literally just plugged him in a few games in and he just stepped up and played well the whole rest of the season yeah i would agree i uh i think if you want the perfect example for why luke Kennard was a worthy trade there just Watch Donovan Mitchell absolutely hunt Kennard on switches and and destroy him like they were trying to force him middle and Kennard just couldn't and Donovan Mitchell got right to the rim. That's not gonna happen if that's Sadiq Bay instead. Vlog, uh, give, give Bryce, give our guest Bryce the your comparison for Sadiq Bay and see if he likes it. Cause this is one you, you feel pretty confident about. Yeah, I mean that, that was Chris Middleton for me. Uh, when I looked at Sadiq Bay, I thought he can develop that type of game. Uh, you know, uh, Middleton played for us for a little bit, and um, it, it kind of reminded me of, of the raw version of, of Chris Middleton. And if we look back at the development of Chris Middleton, that's the player that he is today. I think that he's very similar to Sadiq Bay. 
Yeah, I, I think that makes some sense as sort of a ceiling. Um, you know, I see Sadiq probably not quite getting to like the isolation ability that uh, Middleton had, but I or has, excuse me. But I also think that Sadiq can be a, a much more valuable defender. Um, Chris Middleton doesn't really do any sort of help defense at the at the rim or at the nail, and I think Sadiq can really be a a valuable help defender in a way Middleton isn't. So. Uh, yeah, I like that comparison, I think. Uh, and I think Dwayne Casey is is the right guy to bring uh, Sadiq along as well. That's something I, I've loved Dwayne Casey forever. He's one of my favorite coaches in the league. And um, I, I, he's really, really good at developing talents. And uh, I think Sadiq is, is really going to learn well under him. Hey, you, you know what's funny? Because... Pistons fans the whole year, they wanted to see the young kids play, right? So we won the rookies, we won this. And what I loved about Casey this year is that he plugged them in one by one. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a baptism by fire. I'm going to throw, you know, three, four rookies out there or three, four young guys and let them play. And uh, that's what I love. You know, he started with Killing Hayes. Killing got injured. Sadiq got more and more minutes. Then Isaiah got more and more minutes. And at the end of the season, they were all playing a ton. And that's what I loved is that... He didn't just shock them, right? Because you, you can put three young guys out there, and they're going to look bad, right? And Bryce, I'm, I'm thinking about your high school team, right? If you're going to have three freshmen out there in the same time, they're going to look bad. If you plug in one, if you plug in one with three juniors and one senior, he's going to look a lot better. They can survive. Yeah, we're, we're going to do that this year, actually, Vlad. We go to our first tournament. That's why we're recording on a late Thursday night, which thank you, Vlad, for getting up at 6.30 in the morning. And Bryce, I know you're an early riser, you know, for work, and I appreciate you staying up later than you normally would to record with us, you know, just for me so I can go coach my high school team. But you're exactly right. You, you plug one of those guys in and they can survive. You plug three and now all of a sudden, like I say, it's baptism by fire. Um, I, I want to move on to a, a debate for this year's draft, though, Bryce. And I, and I told you, I don't want to stay on this stuff too long. I want to get to some of the other topics maybe I haven't gone on to with some of our other draft guys. But I want you to settle a debate. Bryce Hendricks, if, if you're, is, is, is Jalen Green a good enough fit for Detroit? Does he have enough upside for him to be the pick over Evan Mobley? Because a lot of people think that Jalen Green is such a perfect fit that he is the pick over Mobley and maybe even no matter what. Uh, so I want to say that I understand where people are coming from with that. Um, but for me personally, it's, it's, it's really not even close. Um, Evan Mobley can be a game changing two way talent. Um, maybe the best defensive prospect since, since like Anthony Davis, uh, really, um, that's something that I I don't think is being treated like as rare as it is. Um, and, and I think drafting for fit, uh, at, at the, at the place you're at in your rebuild is a really perilous thing, especially when the person you're, you're worried about drafting over is someone like Isaiah Stewart, who, I think can maybe fill in at the four for some minutes or, you know, we're still yet to see him in like a super pressurized scenario, what he looks like scaled up to the playoffs. Um, I think Jalen Green, Jalen Green's a good player. I have him third on my board, um, but I, I think like his, his, him being looked at as a seamless fit for the Pistons is just something I don't see. I don't think he's quite the ball handler. Some people think he is. They think of him as like this pure ISO scorer with some pick and roll ability. And I just, I don't think his handles there yet. Um, I think he's going to have to work a lot off ball and 
if that's the case, I, I say might as well go get the better player who's going to potentially change the shape of your defense for the next decade. Um, so that, that's how I view that. How about Mobley's offensive potential? Because I've been torn about it, and I really think he can become the power forward. He can become the Anthony Davis, and we keep Stewart where he's at. And uh, that that was my take on Mobley. I thought he has a ton of upside offensively too. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. His passing at, at at seven foot with a seven five wingspan is is really special. Um, it's hard for me to not see him eventually being a really really good isolation player. Uh, I think the shot is 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 probably a couple years away, but will eventually be, you know, at least passable enough that he can really leverage that ball handle at seven foot with the passing and the transition game. Uh, I think the one worry with him offensively is that he's, and even defensively is that he's still really skinny and that sort of limits him as a screen setter. Um, But luckily you have uh, one of the most built dudes in the league who can play right next to him. So that, you know, that sort of alleviates some of that worry uh, for me at least. I feel like I feel like they fit really well, and maybe not right away. Like there's it could be a little it could be a little wonky early on between those two. I think with an expanding Isaiah Stewart offensive game, what it sounds like Mobley can develop offensively. I think those two guys can play together. I've I'm with you, Bryce. Like that's why I wanted to ask the question though. Is I still think it's Cade one, Mobley two, Green three. You know, depending on where we picked or in, in on the Pistons big board. But I wanted to ask. So moving beyond that, because we've talked about those three guys over and over and at length, and, and rightfully so, because they're big time prospects. But after those three, and I don't even care if they're complete boom or bust guys. And I know you have a guy you're very very high on compared to others, and I'm excited to hear you talk about him. But if the Pistons need, let's say the Pistons are drafting for a franchise player and it can't be Cade Mobley or Jalen Green, who are a couple other guys if we fall to say five or six that could be there realistically that we could draft that could have the potential to be a franchise guy? So for me, the first one that uh, jumps out and I'm, I don't want to say famous, but I feel like he's my most well-known take is that I love Kai Jones. Yes, yes. And, and Kai Jones is sort of that uh, swing for the fences pick uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, he's 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 one of the greatest athletes uh, I've ever seen, and I think he sort of gets overlooked because he's he's not the most powerful vertical athlete or the burstiest guy ever. But he's he's six eleven, and he's such a fluid mover, and he's so fast, and he does have very good vertical pop. Um, that all that combines to make for a really rare athlete. Um, he doesn't have he doesn't even have the weakness of like an Evan Mobley, who's sort of a similar athletic profile. But Mobley's hips are super high. Kai Jones has has lower hips and is able to uh is is able to move more fluidly throughout space because of that. Um, I I don't. Uh, I don't know if he would ever go that high. Like, I think his range seems to be more like 10 to 15. Um, but for me, like, like Kai Jones would be the perfect pick for the Pistons because, uh, Killian Hayes is such an excellent passer. Uh, Kai Jones is, is one of the better play finishers in the draft. Um, and he could get a lot of usage in Detroit and, and, you know, probably learn behind like a Jeremy Grant who, 
I think Jeremy Grant's like Denver days is sort of like a solid like 45 to 60 percentile outcome for Kai Jones. You know, so you can sort of learn if if he's never going to hit that top high ceiling. He has some some fallbacks that make some sense because of that athleticism and uh, handle. Um, some other guys, uh, a lot of people are really low on Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, I still like Kaminga quite a bit. Um, I don't know if he's like a superstar in the making or anything. Like I think Kai Jones and Jalen Green have the much higher, higher ceilings. Um, but Kaminga, I think, is someone who's going to contribute to winning um, as time goes on. He's He's big and strong. He can move his feet really well. He's clearly developing as a decision maker, but he's someone who wants to get his teammates involved and he wants to he wants to make the right rotations and uh, help as best he can on defense. Um, And then I think I think a sneaky one that uh, Pistons fans should keep their eye on is going to be Moses Moody. Um, Moses Moody from Arkansas is sort of in that uh, Chris Middleton role. Uh, mold, excuse me, that we sort of mentioned with Sadiq Bay, um, where it's sort of like a not super athletic, but crafty scorer, really good shooter, smart player, um, has some really interesting moments as an isolation scorer. And that's sort of what you're hoping to develop. Um, so those are the three guys. I think if you guys are anywhere from, you know, four to is six, the lowest you can fall, right? Yeah, six is the lowest. I would say that would be my board from four to six for you guys would be Kai Kaminga, um, Moody. And just those are guys who um, who 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 offer some upgrade to be a part of the Pistons long term and, and, and help to help to make you guys a winning team shorter rather than uh, or sooner rather than later. Excuse me, um, especially I mean, Kai Jones is such a dream fit in Detroit. I can just I can picture him uh, as a piston, um, especially next to Isaiah Stewart, who helps provide that that beef he's sort of lacking, and uh, that transition play with him and Killian Hayes would be would be truly something to watch. So, what with Kai Jones? What's the skill set like? What and if you could help, like, so to help me visualize, I don't love player comparisons. I know how hard those are. I don't know if you do those or not. But so, like, what's the skill set that goes along with the athleticism of Kai Jones? Like, is he going to be able to step out and shoot it? Is, you know, does he have a back-to-the-basket game? Where's his natural fit? And is there a player comparison that you kind of have for him? So, comps are tough, especially with someone like Kai, who's who's a really – um, who's a really rare talent. Um, I would say his skill set is, is super interesting because he's very much a flash player. Um, Shaka Smart at Texas didn't trust him a lot. So you're kind of trying to scout based on these on these little moments. But if, if you want, like my best comparison would be um, if like Alexei Pokusevsky was like, was like, closer to Zion as an athlete like not as good as Alexei but like just that sort of constantly weird like weird dribble flashes weird shooting flashes he has like some some really like crazy step backs or like uh flat-footed fadeaways from the post where you really I really buy the shot I think it's going to be be a really excellent shot down the line um, and his and his defense is the real draw. I mean, all all this talking about offense, he can be a 
a versatile big with some rim protection and some switching um, who could who could potentially uh, legitimately guard probably one through four um, at the next level because he's so quick and so long, um, as well as wreaking some havoc at the nail uh, defensively. Um, so Kai is, <laughs> it's sort of weird, right? Like, like I could pull out some like, like high end comparison of like Pascal Siakam is one I've brought up or like, like honestly his closest physical comparison in terms of, uh, athleticism, even like a finishing package and size would be Giannis. Um, not to say he's, he's, he's anywhere ever going to be anything like Giannis, but that's sort of like the physical comparison. And then you mix in these, these interesting shooting and handle flashes. Um, it, it's just, there's a lot to work with. He, he's probably a couple years away from being a, a real contributor to a winning team. Um, but there's, there's these flashes on offense and a solid floor presented by his defense that, uh, he he could really he could really be a difference maker in a lot of different ways depending on how he develops and uh, that's something I think the Pistons if you're not going to get like a marquee star who has a clear role something that a team like the Pistons could benefit from is taking a guy with a lot of skills and figuring out what actually is an NBA skill and going from there um, and and Kai really presents that that ball of clay nature. Vlad, the, the Pascal, Siakam, and Giannis comparisons, that sounds familiar, right? Yeah, and I'm torn about that, Bryce. I don't know how it's turned out with Seku. You know, when uh, earlier this year we had Elliot DeWitt on the show, and um, he's part of the video room in the Pistons, and he was saying that they think that Seku is in that Pascal Siakam mo- mall. And I'm really curious how much they're going to – Think about his draft and think about Seku's development too, uh, because I don't know how much more patience they have with him, and I think that's gonna, you know, kind of just throw a wrench in the draft. If they think that you know, oh, we can't draft Kai Jones because we still have Seku and want to develop him, or we're gonna take a risk, um, you know, and draft Kai Jones, and then Seku might just be done with us. But there was there was a draft, um, there was a player that you mentioned, Bryce that I really love for us. And I love because I do think we need a scorer. We need a, we, we just need a bucket getter because Jeremy is a great option, but I just don't see him as a number one option. So uh, when uh, Bryce and I talked about this, I was big on Jalen Green because of that. He'll get you buckets. And if we fall, there's a guy that you mentioned that I love, Moses Moody. He's, he's just a pro scorer. To me, he reminds me of... Someone like a Devin Booker, um, Allen Houston, uh, in that like he can do everything. He can shoot the three. He's smart. He, I, I don't know. I, I just like the kid, and you know he's what six six with a seven foot wingspan, so he fits that build that Weaver and Casey are looking for. You know, yeah, wingspans. Uh, they're looking for wingspans. They're looking for height. They look guys that can play multiple positions. So it, it just Moses Moody really makes sense to me, honestly. If we fall in that. Uh, you know, in that five, six, uh, even four, four spot, four, five, six. Yeah, I uh, I really like Moody. Um, basically, for any team outside of the top uh, five, he would be my probably my number six ranked guy. Um, and what I like about Moody is he just he he's another guy who offers a a, a variable role. Um, he he's sort of 
you know, he could end up falling down into being just sort of a three and D guy. Um, if, if that's all he can, all he can really unlock, but, uh, his footwork is his, for me, his number one skill. Um, it just go watch like his jab series highlights. And it's really, it's really like almost Carmelo esque where it's like, just quick, like a, like a one jab step dribble cross. And he's like wide open. Um, and that's something that could really make Jeremy Grant's life easier, uh, make Casey's life easier, make, I mean, he can make Killian Hayes's life easier as well. Um, and I also think he would help to build like a really interesting defense, um, with Hayes Bay. Uh, I still love Seku. Um, I'm, I'm still hoping for Seku long-term, uh, but Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart, like you guys would be so long. So, you know, w- with Killian Hayes as your point guard at six, four, there's, there's a lot of room, um, for wings to really, fill in and then you guys can be a really interesting switching defense i think isaiah stewart has proven to me that he can hold up on switches and uh moody helps with that that seven foot wingspan probably allow him to guard comfortably you know two through four um maybe even some ones he's he's not super athletic that's sort of the one knock um he's not going to dunk on guys and 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 quicker guards can can make him look silly sometimes, but he's just like like Vlad said, he's he's a pro scorer, um, pro shooter. Like that's that's a perfect fit for you guys at that six or seven spot or six spot. Um, and, and he's someone who I think should really be looked at around there. Even though I've seen him as low as like twenty one on some uh, mainstream mock drafts. Vlad, like Bryce Hendricks is is speaking straight to your heart. So with Kai Jones, he's talking about Giannis and Siakam comparisons. And then he just compared Moses Moody to your guy, Melo. So like, you have to be eating this up right now. Uh, uh, hey, not, not just me. I think uh, when it comes to Melo, we all rem- just remember the Darko Milicic pick. So I think for the Pistons fans, it's <laughs> <Why>? tough. <laughs> and for me as a Melo fan, as a huge Melo fan, it's even tougher. Why but, you gotta bring uh, that pick up? You know, hey, the... I- the athletic side of things, though, right, Bryce? And what this playoff showed me more than ever is that maybe the NBA is a little bit looking too much at the athletic side of things because I'm looking at Booker. I'm looking at Chris Paul. It's, like, impossible to guard those two. And I feel like even on, on my own take on, on Booker, right, and I'm looking at Booker and I'm like, oh, he just he's not athletic enough to be that guy. And he's definitely that guy. He can become that guy. And he, he's found a way. So, uh, you know, I can just critique myself on that one. Just looking at the athletic side of things is it's one thing. But if you have enough athletes around you and good shooters around you, your game is just going to, you know, go up a notch. And I feel like that's that's the level that I'm, I'm thinking about Moody too, right? He's going to have all these athletes around. He's going to have Jeremy Grant. You know, he's going to have Sadiq. He's going to have Isaiah Stewart. He's going to have Josh Jackson. Even Killian is a very good athlete. So you have all these athletes, you know, they're going to cover more ground for you. And, you know, maybe vertically you're not going to be there. But, again, I don't think it matters when you have really two or three or four other athletes next to you. And that's why I'm thinking about this Moody pick as like a, you know, I I don't want to say poor man's booker, but, you know, in in that kind of mold. Well, and... The length you guys have both talked about that you could put on the floor as a Pistons team, that makes up for some lack of quickness or foot speed or whatever. And then one thing I always like to tell my high school kids is, 
you know, you can make up for a lack of quickness offensively by being a great shooter. Because if you're a great shooter, the closeout has to come closer, has to come out harder, has to come out more out of control, and it makes your first step faster. So, you know, you don't have to be, like you said, footwork, being a good shooter like Devin Booker is, all those things allows you to be a, a really good all-around offensive player. But um, Bryce, I want to move, Vlad, I want to move into the back end of the first round. So we've talked a lot about it, the, the top end. Uh, Bryce, I really like those guys you brought up there, some of those those boom guys that weren't those top three prospects. I, I bet those are some names a lot of Pistons fans haven't heard a lot about. But I want to talk about a scenario that people are talking about a lot, which is us packaging some of these second round picks possibly even a player to get back into the first round so one do you think that there's good value I know it kind of depends on how the draft plays out but is there good value moving back into the first round and give me a player or two give us a player or two that you really like in that range so I would say, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good value this is um, a very deep draft and it's filled with um some really interesting uh, wing bets. I still think that uh, wings are what you guys are going to be looking for, and it's what you should be looking for. And there's quite a few of those that you can find um, pretty deep into this draft. Um, so I, I have like I have two names that I, that really stand out to me as guys who I think you're going to be able to get in that 25 to 30 range, who I think are immediate like interesting players for the Pistons. So one is um, Roko Perkacin, uh from uh, Croatia. Uh, really interesting, like athletic forward with some passing feel, a developing shot, and just a really, really aggressive mentality. And the other is uh, Trey Murphy the third, who for my money is the best shooter in the draft. And he's also 6'9", and like, pretty impressive vertical athlete um those are guys who who they each provide very different things um but provide a lot to sort of get you provide different avenues for your team um to have success on both ends so trey murphy like i mentioned uh six nine shot was the only d1 player this year to have a 50 40 90 season um and that's also while leading I want to say leading all guards in dunks in college. I mean, he is he is a very he is potentially a very deadly off ball player. Um, I honestly can't think of a player outside of Michael Porter Jr. who is as good a shooter as Trey Murphy the third and as good a rim finisher. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is quite a bit stronger and has more experience as an on ball player. Um, but a player like Trey Murphy has the potential to be a game breaking off ball player. And that's pretty, that's, that's pretty good value, uh, when you're put pushing close to 30 in the draft. Um, and then Rocco is one of those guys who I just think is, is very underrated just by nature of playing overseas. Um, really solid athlete can jump off one or two feet, um, is always trying to get downhill, uh, can throw some really crazy passes, um, and he can provide a sort of uh, 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 a transition threat to your team because he's always pushing the ball. He's he's one of the best grab and go players in this draft. Um, and if that shot comes around, he's a really interesting half court player as well. And uh, he's no slouch on defense either. So those are those are the two guys who I think 
if you could trade up to 25 without giving up too much uh, on-court value, I think those two guys make a lot of sense. What? So of those two guys, Vlad, which one sounds better to you? So you have a, you know, you have the European connection with Roku, and then how about Trey Murphy? So he played for our guy, Coach oh, Wilford, at, at I Virginia. I right now. I have to co- call Coach Willie. I want to give the whole insight. So uh, you know. uh, for our listeners, for Bryce, so Vlad and I played at American University together. Our assistant coach, Coach Jason Williford. Um, is now the assistant coach at the University of Virginia. So obviously would have coached Trey Murphy this last season. So um, that's Vlad, wild. Yeah, yeah. You know where Tony Bennett went too, right? Where he was a coach. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so he's at coach? Washington State before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So funny. And then also Vlad, uh, Trey Murphy played at Rice. So so JJ would have coached against him. Because um, Rice and Old Dominion are in the same conference, so we might be able to use our connections a little bit to find out about this kid. But the way you described him, Bryce, he sounds like exactly um, the type of player the the Pistons could use. Vlad, are you familiar with Roku? Just being over there in Europe playing right now? Honestly, no. He hasn't played at that level. Um, you know, like uh, like Usman Garuba, he played at a certain level that you watch him on a nightly basis. Um, we're Roku, not really, you know. I got you. So Bryce Vlad plays overseas right now as well. So he's playing professionally over in in Romania right now. So, um, but hey, yeah, I, I think I had uh, I had seen that when I followed you on Twitter. So got you, got you. <laughs> um, so the the last thing, and Bryce, I told you this that I wanted to make sure we got to this. So we may leave a little extra time for the NBA playoff talk, which is fine. There, there's plenty of those to go into as well. But I want to make sure we jump into this because I feel like every time I have a draft guy on, I end up not getting to it. So we currently have three second round picks. I still think and I guess hope that we package those, move into the back of the first round like we just talked about. But just in general, who are some guys – you know, start off with a couple and then we'll let it go from there. Who, who, who's maybe your favorite second round prospect right now? So for me, the second round is all about trying to find guys with clear roles. Um, at least at least that's how I view it, because I feel like very rarely are you finding um, like true, true diamonds in the rough, like all stars in the second round, aside from like a Nikola Jokic. But even he was sort of drafted with a role in mind. Um, so I was sort of thinking of like what roles could the Pistons really fill? Um, there's two guys who who are two of the better shooters in the draft. They're guards, um, Nashawn Bones Highland and uh, Max Abmus. Abmus, I don't know exactly how to say it. Um, two guard shooters, um, but both are probably going to be there in the second round. And both are really interesting uh, fits next to someone like Killian Hayes because Killian Hayes is, is big enough to to sort of play the nominal two while play, while being a ball handler and both those guys um, are really interesting uh, sort of movement shooters who could guard ones but but play the two off of a guy like Killian um, and then my absolute favorite second round prospect um, is uh, <laughs> Vrenz Weinberg, um from Belgium um, I, we got to interview him on the podcast. Uh, we talk on Twitter all the time. Super cool dude, and, and also a really interesting prospect. Six uh, uh, eleven, but likes to play like a point guard. Uh, one of the best court mappers in the draft can really see see the floor really well, both with the ball in his hands and without it. 
Um, and sometimes, you know, guys that are that smart just sort of figure it out. Um, he's not like a great shooter yet. He's not a, an amazing ball handler. But uh, Joe Ingles wasn't either of those things. Uh, Nemanja Bialica wasn't either of those things. But when guys are that smart, uh, they can kind of figure it out. And I, I just see Vrenz being a piece of, of really high-level offenses in the NBA, uh, always greasing the wheels, always making the right decision. And uh, th- that's a thing that can be really valuable for a team like the Pistons that are so full of athletes and uh, not necessarily like full of great decision makers. So w- would he be a draft and stash guy or you think he's ready to come over and play right now? Um, I, I mean, probably a draft and stash just because I think this I think the second round is going to be full of draft and stash guys because quite a few teams have a ton of picks that I don't know if they're going to be able to just sell. Um, so I think you're going to see quite a few draft and stash guys go, even ones who aren't necessarily mentioned. Like last year, um, Vic Krejci went and like he was barely on any top 100s from any mainstream boards. This year, I think you're going to see guys like Mario Nokic, um, Vrenz Blyenberg, uh, guys like that kind of go in the second round and uh, just to be stashed. But I think I think friends is sort of above the pack in those guys because of the skills he possesses at 611 while not being like an awful athlete. It's interesting you bring up Bones Highland because that's a guy, uh, our guy, CJ Marchesani, who we had on a couple weeks ago. He's really high on Bones. He calls him Bones, um, Bones Highland. And so that's, that's interesting that you bring him up as well. So he's easy to like, yeah, like, like, like guys, guys that shoot like that, especially, I, 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 know I know you're a shooter, shooter too, Bryce. Um, um, I was a shooter. I'm still, still a shooter. shooter. It's, it's like, like it's hard, it's hard for me to not fall in love with, with those guys. guys. Yeah. I, was I was irrationally in love, in love with Kyle, Kyle Guy back when he was a Oh, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. We're, we're, we're also, also the same, same height, height, so I was like, like that. I, if, if, I, if, I, if I was just better, I could be him. So I was like, that was my reasoning for having Vlad, what would you classify yourself as? Oh, man, tough. <laughs> You're a shooter too, man. Stop clowning. Nah, I was a scorer. I used to be a scorer. Okay, I'm score, right. score, score. Yeah. Now, now I'm a shooter. Yes. The, now those, I'm a shooter. <laughs> you were a pure scorer. Now those knees gave up on you, so now you're just a shooter. Basically, well, Bryce, I do have a question uh, right now. You know, I do feel like the the G League Ignite guys they're kind of getting overlooked in this draft, right? Uh, because uh, to me, it just happens with Jalen Green. I feel like he's in my opinion, he's that mold. He's that tier one or two, and he's kind of been moved below Cade and Mobley. And to me, it happens with Isaiah Todd too. And I'm a fan of his because I'm a fan of his length and I'm a fan of his shooting. So it's just stuff that fits the the Pistons and Troy Weaver, and you know, a six ten guy that can shoot. And is he could he be a good pick for us? You know, in that. 30-40 pick in the second round. Yeah, I think Isaiah Todd would be a solid pick there. Um, I think you sort of have to know what you're getting with Todd. Uh, Todd is a pretty disastrous, disastrous decision maker right now. Um, just can sort of dribble himself into bad shots and uh, not a good passer. And defensively, that really shows up. But um, that shot, his height is, is pretty special. Um and and he's a really fluid athlete. I could see him becoming a sort of uh, movement type of shooter, uh, creating some gravity off ball. Um, 
you know, like Davis Bertans is sort of the highest end outcome of that, but I could see him sort of filling that mold maybe to a lesser extent, but, uh, and it's sort of just about, can you clean up the little things like his footwork right now on defense is really bad. Um, if you think you, if you think you're a team that can clean those little things up, then, uh, you could have a very valuable player right there. And especially he has a pretty solid kind of mid post game. And that's something that can be really valuable on second units just to sort of buoy an offense, um, when your best players are out. So yeah, I think Todd would be a solid pick there as well. Um, the other G League Ignite guy, Daisha Nix, uh, I, I wouldn't touch if I was the Pistons. But Todd, I think, definitely has some potential there. So, Bryce, I always have to ask our draft guys, um, what do you think about Luca Garza? Or we, you don't have to go into it real deep. So I'll ask two questions that you can answer relatively. Does Luca Garza get drafted? And do you think Luca Garza can have a – does he carve out a – eight to 10 year NBA career does I would say Luca Garza will get drafted and he's going to get stashed um, because he has uh, I think it's Georgian he has Georgian citizenship oh. so just like uh, the Warriors did with Justinian Jessup from Boise State uh, which is sort of sort of in my neck of the woods um, he is playing in Australia right now um, with the same team that Lamelo Ball played for, I believe, um, I could see that happening with Luca Garza, just because teams I think are going to be desperate to take stashes, um, so they'll take him, stash him for two years. If I were to just, if I were to just like take a prop bet on it, I would say Luca Garza does not have an NBA career, just because I think he will make more money overseas. Because if he's if he's playing in the NBA, I think it's probably bouncing from minimum contract to minimum contract, sort of like a like a lesser Ennis Cantor, maybe. Um, but I think overseas there can be a lot of money for a guy like him, who's a really really good post big um, with a lot of skill. Um, so that, that's sort of how I see it. That would be my uh, Luca Garza bet. I didn't, I didn't realize that with the, the nationality or the, you know, being able to, to draft and stash. So that might make him more desirable, especially with you talking about that happening a lot in the second round. So Vlad, do you have any more questions for Bryce draft questions before we spend 10 or 15 minutes here on the NBA playoffs? No, I really just told him that uh, I agree with him and I just don't see Garza in the NBA period. Um, it, it might be a stash for good. <laughs> I don't, I don't see him, uh, honestly, one year max. Uh, that's all I give him in the NBA, but I think he's going to be a fabulous EuroLeague player. He's going to play a high level in Europe. Uh, he can do a lot of things that European coaches love. Um, I do believe Bryce, you're right. I think his aunt or his uncle are, and they're Bosnian. So I'm pretty sure he has like Serbian ties to that area. Whereas even he, I think his mom was a player. Um, I, I heard a few stories. I honestly didn't look into it. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I wasn't too much into it. But um, he he does have that background, so I'm pretty sure we're gonna see him in Europe, and uh, he's gonna make a lot of money playing basketball. He's gonna be very good at this level. Uh, but at, as far as the NBA goes, I just don't see him there. Okay, so. Um, Bryce, we like to go around the NBA to, to finish off every episode. And obviously with the playoffs going right now, that's kind of where we want to gear this towards. So we're recording this Thursday night, June 10th. 
The Bucks actually picked up a big win over the Nets. And right now the Jazz are leading the Clippers trying to go up 2-0 in that series. I'm just going to kind of leave it open-ended. I'm going to go to you first, Bryce, and then I'll go to Vlad. Bryce, what's your with these sit with these uh, second round games? Um, we we recapped the first round last episode, so kind of staying with these second round games. What what series is most interesting to you so far, or you know, moving forward here in the second round, East or West? Well, I, I'm a Jazz fan, so I'm, oh. a, I'm a little partial. I'm a little partial to that. Um, there you go. I, uh, Sorry, you're not getting I, to watch the game right now. I, I, in the background actually uh, okay <laughs> not not that i'm cheating on you guys but uh, <laughs> gotta see it um but yeah i mean it's a really interesting matchup because i'll be honest i i really didn't think we had much of a shot against the clippers but uh we're looking solid right now um i i think i think maybe the math is just sort of working in our favor where yeah rudy gobert is going to let them get as many mid-rangers as they want but at a certain point, with as good of a three-point shooting team as we are, three is just better than two. Um, and we're just generating such consistent rim pressure and open shots. Um, and then, I mean, I was I was super into the the Bucks nets it, it looked like the Nets were going to run away with it. And then uh, I didn't get to watch it, but it looked like an ugly game today. Um, the, like, the Bucks are my championship pick, so... Um, Still, still pulling for them, but uh, that that seemed like a weird series so yeah. far. Yeah, that that fourth quarter was not pretty offensively. I only saw the fourth quarter, but we had practice tonight, um, and so I only saw the fourth quarter. But that fourth quarter wasn't pretty. It got a little better at the end, like, and obviously it was entertaining being a close game. I just want to say I love watching your Utah Jazz play. I didn't see him play a lot during the season, watching Pistons games and all that. But I love breaking down Quinn Snyder. Um, set plays, you know, the way he starts game, the pick and roll actions he use and the way they play together. It's beautiful basketball and Donovan Mitchell's going bananas right now. But Vlad, what, what, what do you see so far, um, through a, you know, a game or two in these series? Well, the well, Bucks saved, saved themselves, themselves. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know from, a from a sleep tonight, tonight but, but I don't, I don't think, think that Milton's going to get 35 or 15, 15 every night. night. I, don't I don't think, think even Lopez is going to get a little of boards. And I still don't think KD is going to shoot for 28 times soon. So if the Bucks score 80 to 90 every game, this is a wrap. Uh, honestly, I you know what I love? I do love the Sixers Atlanta series. I think that's. That's a that's very a interesting, interesting one right there. Right there. Uh, uh, and big playing injured and he's playing like an MVP. Um, um, and you have Trey Young. Trey Young, who uh, he knows he how to make adjustments. adjustments. Uh, you have uh, two great coaches. I'm a big fan of both coaches. You know, we saw the adjustment Doc Rivers make from game one to game two, and I'm waiting. Uh, right, right now, now to see how Nate McMillan is going to respond and what adjustment he's going to make for game, game three. three. And, and uh, as, as far as the West goes, goes yeah, yeah, I don't know. Phoenix, Phoenix is, uh, I, think I think they got them on the ropes. ropes. Um, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a big, big man and you cannot guard a pick and roll, and what I mean by guarding a pick and roll, and it's what Bryce said earlier, you give the mid range. The problem is that Jokic cannot guard two dribbles, right? So one dribble. Chris, Chris Paul, Paul or Booker, Booker come off the screen. screen. Second dribble, they're, they're already in a shot zone. They're, they're in a comfortable area. area. They're, they're already in the paint, and that's, that's too much. And if, if they, they can't figure it out, Denver is done. done. And, and as, as far as the Utah, Utah series, series um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Utah, Utah too, Bryce. I think, I think uh, you guys play great basketball. 
and, and uh, I mean Mitchell, Mitchell he's, he's special, special. And I, I think, think he, he has a lot of upside still as far as the scorer goes and just watching game one right now I'm not watching it too but just watching game one and I was just impressed I loved it I thought he was one of the the best, the best players, players in the league, he looked like one of the best players in the league right there, like top 10. Unbelievable. I mean, the shot making, the leadership, uh, it was all there. there. Yeah, that's, you know, Vlad, you'll remember this, you know, whenever we talked, I think mid-season, I questioned the Jazz and whether they could go and win an NBA championship because as much as I love their style of basketball, it's aesthetically pleasing to watch. I questioned whether they had that dude, that go-to guy, whenever you needed a shot late, when you needed an ISO bucket. And right now, Donovan Mitchell is proving me absolutely wrong. I'm here for it. I love watching it. Was I completely missing something, Bryce? Or or was is he just now kind of showing that aspect of his game? So for me, I thought um, this Donovan Mitchell's been this dude, and I think it really showed last year. Um, that series ended in a loss against Denver in the bubble, but it really shouldn't have. We outscored Denver in that series. And honestly, if it wasn't for a weird eight second violation in game one, it would have been a four game sweep. Um, so for me, I've seen this from Mitchell, but it, it really is impressive to see him do this against a defense like this. Um, the Clippers, I mean, should be one of the toughest matchups for him. And he, was uh eating in, in that game one and he's doing well tonight i mean he is uh, like like flawed mentioned with with like a high-end outcome for moses booty like a pro bucket getter he just you put him in there and he's gonna go he'll get right to the rim um he, he's shooting really well on pull-ups which is something he's always sort of been inconsistent with um it's a really fun evolution to see um, but I also don't want to overlook the fact that uh, Rudy Gobert is is having one of the best defensive playoffs ever. So it's sort of both of them. I just uh, Vlad, I think you're. I think the Nuggets have maxed out their potential without Jamal Murray. You know, they were able to get through the first round, and I think maybe people thought, oh, okay, they'll have it figured out. But you know, obviously the level of competition steps up each round, and I just don't think they're gonna be able to overcome that. I'm 100% here for a Suns-Jazz Western Conference Finals. I don't care what the talking heads at ESPN and on SportsCenter, like what they think. I think that's an, a phenomenal okay, matchup in the West. But I want to go back to the East. I want to talk about Trey Young. You mentioned him just quick, Vlad. So, Vlad, I'll let you go first. And then, Bryce, I want to hear what you think as well. You know, I don't know if you scouted him coming out of Oklahoma or not, but... Trey Young has been incredible to me in these playoffs. He's taken his game to another level, and he's so tough to guard. He's that fourth-level scorer that we've talked about with Rashad Phillips, Vlad. What's your take on Trey Young and maybe what he has to do the rest of this series to get his team a, a upset over the number one seed? He's special, um, but also the same thing. I want to give credit to the whole management because he has a roster that helps him a ton. He has shooters on every side of the floor. Like, it's unbelievable. And we talked about this, Bryce, if you remember, uh, beginning of the season when you had him in the top four. I think we both had him in the top four, if I'm not mistaken. For number four for both of us. Yeah, so um, – and it was only because of the shooting that it's around Trey Young. So it's very hard. Um, it, it's hard for him to, to guard that pick and roll and have the same rhythm offensively the whole game. He, he did it one time. 
he'll score a lot, but I think they're going to give up a lot of points too. And now in Atlanta, it's, it's a different story. Uh, you know, the, the gym's going to be packed, and they do have a big home court advantage. Atlanta's known to to be loud uh, and to be good for for the Hawks. Honestly, I do see. I, I'm I'm leaning towards the Hawks winning that series because of Trey Young, but they, he he has to stop. First of all, he has to stop to be. Um, stop being careless with the ball. I thought game two, he was very careless with the ball. Uh, he had two or three turnovers that led to like two on one or like one on zero buckets. He, he can't have that. He can't have those turnovers at the top. You know, you're playing top pick and roll. He's trying to like, um, like you like to say Bryce, right? Put him in jail or like uh, try to like make a little snake move and he loses the ball and it's a one on zero turnover. It's it's a layup on the other, on the, on the other side of the floor. So to me, those are the issues that if they fix, I don't think they have a problem this series. Bryce, what do you think? What, what's your take on Trey Young? Did, did you scout him coming out of college at all, or were you into this yet? Uh, so that was like my first year um, doing any scouting, and I really only did like like the consensus top 20 guys. So I did I did do some Trey Young scouting. Um, I was lower on him. I, I thought he, was, he wasn't athletic enough, and... Uh, He's he's really proved me wrong. He's he's an excellent player. Um, that passing is is uh, really special. Um, he I think you know we hear like heliocentric offense and we think James Harden and we think Luka Doncic, but uh, Trey Young is just as good at that as those guys. Um, one of the best pick and roll operators, uh, you know, outside of Chris Paul at his height. Um, just a really special. Uh, floater guy too i mean honestly one of the best floaters i've ever seen um just i I, i'm constantly fascinated by uh how he plays and how he manages to be the best player on the floor i mean i i would not have thought he would have been even the second best player on the floor in this series i thought really ben simmons and tobias harris could uh sort of outduel him even without a healthy Embiid. uh but that's just he's just constantly proving me wrong constantly uh improving and and he's really fun to watch um i'll be i'll be hopeful to someday see a a mavericks hawks finals uh just for that just for that uh luca trey young matchup that'll be uh that'll be an instant classic we got to get our guy luca some help down there in dallas though man we got bryce i do have a question for you now that you mentioned luca what is up with the clippers though because to me they're getting lit up, and they have two, arguably two of the best defenders, wing defenders in the league, and Batum, Batum is not bad. How do you get lit up on a nightly basis? 40-plus. It's like 40-plus like guaranteed. If you're the best player in the opposite team and you can get buckets, it's 40-plus. And that's what I don't understand about this Clippers team, and that's why I have so many doubts about them, even though they're, they're very good. Uh, they're tough. But how, how can you not guard one guy usually so i think i think for me what it comes down to and and bryce you could probably touch on this too i know you do uh those awesome film breakdowns for me what i think it is is it's sort of exposing um the issue with with switching defense is that you only have to get by one guy uh to succeed on a switch you only have to beat one guy because the clippers don't have any good help defenders really i mean they have Kawhi, but Kawhi is lots of times the guy who has to guard the best player. Um, 
and even even Kawhi, as good of a help defender as he is, he's not really a rim protector as a help defender. He's more of a a, a havoc creator, sort of playing passing lanes and such. Um, and Paul George is not a very good help defender. Marcus Morris is is pretty abysmal there. They don't have anyone to to sort of play that back line. And that's that was the difference I think between the Heat switching defense last year and the Clippers switching defense this year is the Heat, like even if it was Bam Adebayo switched up in the pick and roll, Jimmy Butler is an excellent help defender. Um, they had other guys, you know, Andre Ugudala is, is one of the greatest help defenders ever. They had other guys who can sort of fill in and, and make that work. Um, and I just don't think the Clippers do. So even as good a defender Kawhi is, good defense tends to be good offense. So you get by that one guy, there's no one at the rim. Um, especially for an elite with an elite role man who creates so much gravity like Rudy Gobert. Um, it just creates a lot of open for uh, for someone like Donovan Mitchell or Luka Doncic in the last series. Yeah, I mean, I, I you touched on it here, Bryce, and that's what I think it can, comes down to schematics. And like, who who am I to call out an NBA coach by any means? I just didn't think sch- schematically. Like, I just kept waiting for them to full on trap Luca and just say somebody else beat us because I don't think anybody on Dallas's roster was going to not for four games. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. may have had a game where you know he scored enough, made enough shots, but how do you just can? How do you just continue to let, you know, Luca, you know, terrorize you the way he did? So the Jazz are a whole nother monster. As you say, they have this, you know, premier role guy. They have all these shooters, but, um, it's, it's definitely an issue. I can understand why that would concern anybody, you know, as, as you brought up, Vlad. So. Yeah, I think some of it too is just, just Tyloo isn't a very good defensive coach. Um, that's something that Doc Rivers was better at. And Doc Rivers had his issues um, with the rotations last year. I mean, Montrez Harrell playing at all. Um, but in the end, uh, Doc Rivers is a better defensive mind. He's a more creative defensive mind. Um, Ty Lue kind of makes his bones on the offensive end. And um, I, that can sort of become an issue when, you, you know, their offense was always going to be, Kawhi and Paul George taking tough shots. Their defense is the thing that sort of needed more creativity, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Bryce, man, we really appreciate you coming on. Bryce Hendricks, um, plug your stuff for for our listeners right now, Bryce, so they can go follow you on Twitter or Instagram, whatever you have. Plug all your stuff. Yeah, I'm uh, at Bryce Hendrick 14 on Twitter. Um, all my stuff's on Roll Call Sports, along with a ton of other great stuff that you should go read on there. And uh, I host the Upside Swings Draft Podcast with uh, my buddies, Ryan Davis and Stone Hansen. Uh, this has been great, man. Thanks for having me. No, we appreciate you coming on, man. Great draft insight. Great just basketball insight. We definitely want to have you on in, again if if you're willing, especially when we get closer to the draft or after the draft. So, again, we appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. I'd love to be back on. Awesome. So, Motor City Hoops, Bryce and Vlad, go follow us at Motor City Hoops on Facebook at Motor City Hoops and uh, check it out. Leave a comment. Give us a rating. Hit us up. Let us know what you want to talk about, what you like what, or what you want us to talk about and uh, what you like. And um, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.